What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. We're recording this on a Tuesday afternoon. John Reed of the Florida Times Union is here. John, good afternoon, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am uh, I'm good. It's getting hot. We're officially in summer season, <laughs> as we were talking about before we get started. It is officially just like I'm walking out into blazing heat. That is the point of uh, the summer in the south that we're, that we're at, I think. Yeah, I think we have a hot one. I just hope that doesn't mean that we have hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, 2020's throwing everything at us. So, like, anything like that, I, I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't know. Hope for the best. Expect the worst, right? For this year, let's just keep moving through and hope for the best. But I, I have no idea. But hopefully, yeah. hopefully not. Um, speaking of hurricanes, there is a hurricane coming towards the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base because um, Vegas has them as the most likely they, they are the most likely team to be the worst team in the NFL this year. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think there are some AFC. There's a particular AFC East team that still I think has a chance to be really bad. I think um, there are other teams in the AFC that have a potential to really just fall out. And the Jags, like, I, I don't hate their roster, and I really like their draft. I I kind of understand what they're doing. Um, I think they have some underrated pieces offensively, namely uh, D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Chark. But why do you think Vegas and NFL analysts are so low on this Jaguars team heading into 2020? Well, when you look at the roster, I'll say this. I agree with you in some parts. I agree that they, they, they have some good skilled position players. But the, I think what Vegas sees you know, is that this roster is so young. And when you got uh, – basically they have 30 rookies and, and they didn't really address the offensive line. Garner Minshew had a pretty decent – I mean, a good uh, – you know, for a rookie it would be great. But, you know, still he, he's, he's still a developing quarterback regardless how you size it. And when you add that they went six and ten last year, um, yeah, I mean there's a lot of factors in it. Just it's just basically the unknown more than anything else. I do like some of the parts on their defense, but um, overall, 
you know, you're looking at their secondary. I mean, you, you, you're looking at young guys across the board at cornerback. You got to thrust some of the, some, some of those 12 picks that you had. I mean, the number of the picks is, is another glaring thing, 12 picks. And you're going to have to thrust a, a, a several of those draft picks in the playing roles. And, and I judge teams on, on um, depth, you know, quality depth. And this team right now, over the last two seasons, I just don't think they have the quality depth. You lose, you, you lose a, a, you know, any team with, with her, with an injury at a key position, particularly at a skill position um, like wide receiver or something like that. But uh, and if this team was to to lose a frontline player, then the drop off from the starter to that um, that backup is is, is significant. And, um, I, and and you know it, it, it's not a, a a bad thing to say in Jacksonville because Jacksonville has been rebuilding for a long, long time. I think that they the the difference I think about this franchise now than in the past. At least they are addressing the needs that that need to be addressed. And I think over the previous years they would just draft the biggest name to to get more you know people in the stands. They they wasn't a drafting a need. It was just a drafting a, a big name, and then they would fit that player in. But um, at least now I say they, particularly in this draft, that they drafted for need and not for name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of sounds funny, but I mean, I've, you know, I, I've seen some drafts in Jacksonville. It's kind of, man, well, why would you go for that when you got, already got that? But I, I just think this, I mean, this, this franchise have, have made mistakes over the years. And when you make mistakes, particularly at the quarterback position, you know, it, it, it puts you back. It sets you back two, three years. And I just think those are some of the reasons. And, then, then, you know, Vegas is wise that um, when you really look at this roster and you see some of the holes that they have, I mean, I don't think they're the worst team, but, I, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard for this team to get six or seven wins, uh, in my opinion. Do you think they want to be the worst or second worst team? Do you think they're angling for, for Trevor? <laughs> Is that the goal? It would. It wouldn't. Wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Trevor would be a star. But I don't. I, I, I don't think. Just that. getting him down yes, there. Yes, he would. I, I don't know. And having him in the same division as Deshaun Watson, two Clemson guys. Like I, I could see that being something on their mind. Like Dave Caldwell is doing a full reset. You don't give away Clayus Campbell for what they did and. They traded Yannick and Gokwe. Yeah. I'm going to ask you about in a second. Like they they took a lot of flyers on their on the offense. You have Leonard Fournette who will be gone soon. You have Chris Thompson who, when he's healthy, he's great. Um, they have a bunch of guys. If they're healthy, they're great. Tyler Eifert healthy, great. Um, D. Westbrook yeah. healthy, great. Um, if you Lavishka Chenault who I loved a lot in college, tons of injury concerns. Like yeah. it's just everything has to break right for them. Like you said, where it's just like they don't have a lot of depth. But those guys they do have, if they're healthy, then they—I I, just—I find it hard to believe that they'll, they'll be the worst team in football. But you know what? When you judge that, you also got to judge what are they facing in the in the um, in their conference. And, yeah. I mean, in their division. And when you look at the Houston Texans, you look at Tennessee, you look at those teams. 
and you you got to play them, t- you know, two times, and and you look at what their roster have. If you compare the rosters, I mean, it's basically a, a, a rebuilding team going up against a veteran team, and they when you look at some of those positions and experience at the positions for the Texans, and compare it to the Jaguars. There's a, a big difference, you know. And when you look at the years of, you know, and well, I mean, I covered this team in 2017. They had one of the greatest defenses in the league, you know. But you look at it now, you know, I mean, it's just you got young guys filling roles. And um, then you look at the Texans, and they got established veterans. And I think, you know, in my opinion, in NFL, the more veterans that you have, the more experience you have, and we're not even counting the fact that we we had a we we're in a, under a pandemic. We didn't have a you know a normal off season. You it was a virtual off season. Mm-hmm. You know no OTAs, no no rookie mini camp. And then you have these rookies basically thrust in the position where they haven't had any on field. Their first on field work is going to be when they report to camp. And that's you know for a young team almost detrimental for a veteran team. It's just, it's kind of like a little bump in the road that you can get over in a couple of days. But for a young team, it, it, it's going to take a lot more for them to overcome the fact that they didn't have any on field work, in my opinion. And when you look at a quarterback like Garner Minshew, I mean, yeah, he did. He, he had a good season, but he's still a second year player. And there are still things that he had to learn on reading checks and, you know, checks and, you know, and, and reading defenses. And he hadn't mastered the, the craft yet. And then he doesn't have an, a typical offseason. And, and, and then, you you know, it, it, those are the factors why this team is where it's at, in my opinion. In your estimation, why do you think Dave Caldwell has gotten so much time in Jacksonville? I think Dave Caldwell you know, has gotten too much time. Mm. <laughs> now, I've said this over two years ago. I mean, when you make a, a mistake that they made at quarterback and um, – It cost them a championship. You know, Blake Bortles, it, yeah, it cost them a championship. But even when they had Blake, you know, I can understand first year, you know, you don't really want to put a, put competition to kind of – lose his confidence, but when he goes three seasons and you haven't seen the elevation that's that you would expect from a quarterback that drafted that high, and then you don't bring in competition to not necessarily unseat him, but to push him, you know, you, 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 you shouldn't have a job where you not challenged and, particularly not challenged after you haven't produced or met the expectations over a period of time. And most NFL teams don't do that. You know, it's about, it's all about winning. It's not about the individual. And when the individual don't produce it's a performance based league, then it's time to make a change. My problem with, with, with Dave Caldwell is, is that he, he took the pick and made it a personal statement on his performance as a general manager. Mm. So he was defining himself through Blake Bortles, and what it did was it set the franchise back. And when you have a job like that, you can't put the personal. You know, if you make a mistake, you move on. You 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 you, you know you don't you don't hold on to the mistake. 
because it sets the franchise back. So you make the decisions and you own up to what happened and you go do what you need to do. And I just think they kept him around too long. And when they kept him around too long, they didn't address the need. And, and, and that, to my opinion, I think that's one of the biggest factors of, of why the Jacksonville Jaguars are where they're at right now based on that decision. And then, you know, there's questions about why would you, should you draft it Leonard Fournette at, 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 at the position at four, and, you know, not get a quarterback then. You know, that, I mean, we could go all day on some of the hit and misses that they missed in the draft. And you build through the draft. You know, you if you look at their records over the years, and, you know, we just go a 10-year window here. And they didn't make the right decisions through the draft. And then when they did strike big through free agency, free agency is more or less like a, you know, a one-year, a two-year type of window that you have to hit big on. It's not a build set for your roster. And that great season that they had in 217, if it was because they made good free agent moves, you know, they did. But it, when it comes time for trying to add more talent and you're, you, you know, you locked into the cap, you, you, you strangle hold on how much you can spend. You, 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 you got, you got a lot of cap hits and, that's just not the way you build a roster, particularly not the way to build a roster when you've had a history of not winning. <laughs> so they've, they've made mistakes. And, it's, you know, I covered the NBA for 14 years, and I covered a Pelicans team in New Orleans, and similar, they had a general manager similar to Dave Caldwell, where it was his plan, and no way no one was going to tell Dale Dempster. I was going to say, that I plan you is not working. Dale Dempster. I, I didn't want to say it, but that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> no one could tell him that plan was not working. And it didn't work. And it, it, it you know, I mean, Anthony, Anthony Davis gone, but it was just what do you build around a, a, a star player was his problem. He didn't know how to build around that talent. Yeah. And in Jacksonville, it's just that he doesn't know how to construct. He's not a good talent evaluator, in my opinion. And then they had problems with the. Well, we we know they, they you know they, they they didn't have a smoothly run front office. Well, I wanted to ask you about that too. So <laughs> with Tom Coughlin, what happened there? Because that's the other element of Caldwell, where he got kind of stripped of his final say when they brought in Coughlin and they yeah. kept him around. And then he get like that's why I think Caldwell's story is so interesting. Is that like. He's persevered, man. Like that dude has gotten through two administrations where, like, he he missed on Bortles, he missed on Foles, and he like he's already been at the pinnacle. Like the Jags getting back to where they were um, against the Pats three, four years ago. Now, the chances of that happening again anytime soon are just very slim to none. And this dude's gonna probably be around for another shot. Like he's gonna get like maybe ten years here. Coughlin. Well, it's good to have a good relationship with the owner. <laughs> but both of them, yeah. you know, in hindsight, the both of them, biggest mistake was that quarterback. Yep. The Tom Coughlin's choice was Nick Foles. I mean, that was his guy. I mean, he he implemented that um, that signing in free agency. And then, you know, obviously what we were talking about, Dave Caldwell was, was, was Blake Bortles' guy. 
So, you know, <laughs> so I mean, you, you really put it behind the scenes. Did you know before this all came out because it came out where players knew about mm-hmm. this for a long time and it was just like this thing around the league of all these fines and these very meticulous, just over the top, like I'm going to treat this whole thing like a military academy. Like, did you hear rumblings about this stuff? Did you see it as it was going on? You're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Bumble oh, up. yeah. I came to Jacksonville in 217, and, and Malik Jackson was one of the first guys I had, you know, established a relationship with. But, you know, the first thing with, that was kind of, you know, I'm just going back then, but the first thing that was noticeable was that Tom Coughlin would be on the, every practice in the middle of the field, at times giving instructions to players, <laughs> while Marone was, 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 you know, standing off in the distance. So, <laughs> The, the guy came to practice every day, you know. Guys in the locker room would, would, would say, you know, they would joke about it. They wouldn't kind of make it, you know, but they would joke that, you know, about the fact that he set the clock five minutes fast. And, you know, if you not within that five-minute window, you, you, you were going to be fined. They never at that point would say what was, you know, the fine would be or anything like that. But – his his control was just that he had so much control. I mean, I could go, I, I could live in California, don't know anything about that franchise, and 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 visit the Jaguars for for about an hour, <laughs> and I could sense that it was about a control, you know, with Tom Coughlin or someone at the top. You couldn't mm-hmm. walk in a certain area. Of, you know, you couldn't you, you you couldn't do this. It was rules for everything, you know, even for the media, you know. If you it was almost like your your media credentials could be revoked if you didn't follow the procedure. You know, you couldn't grab a player after walking the you know, while they walking to the back to the locker room off the field, those kind of things. Or be in a certain restricted area. And um you know, he had rules in the dining room for the media. They couldn't be in the in a certain area while the players were there. All these rules. <laughs> and they weren't there before he got there. No, they wasn't. Well, before he got there, they had a um, ping pong table in the middle of the locker room. And uh-huh. when he got there, that 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 was one of the first things to um, to be removed. So, was players, that a player that you liked know, I mean, outside they, of Nick Foles? <laughs> <laughs> I just think he had a bad, and I, I'll be truthful about this. I, I just think he had a bad relationship. Not so much of how strict he was. I just think that he didn't, he didn't fit to what these athletes are today. Right. Today's athletes are different from when he coached the Giants. So mm-hmm. when you tell athletes and players now will conform, but you have to explain to them, like, we want you to do this because of, of this. They're not going to entrust you uh, or they're not going to conform if you just say, this is it, this is my way, mm-hmm. you don't like it, then you – and that's how he – did you know i mean you if you go back and ask previous players when the heyday was in jacksonville when he i mean i mean those players still say that he was (laughs) 
he was a, a, a tough SOB and he was this and that. But those guys did it. There wasn't things getting back to the media or, or, or anything like that. It was about respect and control and you respected authority and those things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't dictate. My, I guess what I'm trying to say is he, he, he didn't conform to change. You know, you have to evolve yourself. You know, everything changed. You know, what happened in 1990 is, is not what's happening in 220. And he refused to go with the times. Right. It's my way. This is what I'm doing. And kind of put strife in that football team. You know, a guy like Marcel Darius would, would, would say, man, you know, I mean, what's, I asked him a few times, like, what do you think is the biggest issue here? And he would say, like, man, we just, you know, he wouldn't give a name, but he would just say, I think we have to start at the top. You know, mm-hmm. We're not like, we're not boys. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not in summer camp and, you, you, you know, where everything is dictated and you don't have no say-so, no input, no anything, no this and that. You're going right. to do it this way. And and I think it divided that football team. And, of course, you know, like a guy like Jalen Ramsey, I mean, I just thought that he just, over the top in a lot of ways, you know, and I think that he got, there was a situation also that some of the players had a little more privilege than others, which, you know, I I don't think that's abnormal, but as far as vocally, he, he was able to express himself in ways that other players either refused or couldn't, Mm. but even Jalen wouldn't come out and say, what was happening at, at that time. <laughs> yeah. So so it was that much power. And the power was he was finding guys. I mean, we wrote a story after his dismissal that, man, you show up late for a, a meeting, you, I mean, you're looking at it almost like a $20,000 fine, 15000 He was finding guys like out of, like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> selling them for 15 minutes, $10,000 fine, you know? This, out of nowhere, and, those, and what those guys are doing behind the scenes, they were taking those complaints to their to their um, to their union. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it I sound did, like I uh, Coughlin was long for Jacksonville. It, it, it's not a stunner that that didn't work out there. Yeah, and I say this. I mean, I think that part of the problem. I mean, I'm not going to blame all this on on Coughlin. I think one of the problems here in Jacksonville is the ownership. With, with, with Sean Codd. I mean, he's not here enough. And I just think that um, sometimes you have to use a guidance in the, in the right way. You got to have somebody who knows the ins and outs, not afraid to tell you when you're wrong or when you're right. And I think, I think, I don't know if it was, it was something where he has people around his circle that's not truthful or, or whatever it might be. But whatever advice that he's gotten, and I'm saying over a four or five-year window, I, I think he has to change his advice. I think he has to put more people in his circle mm. that's going to be honest with him and tell him what what is needed, what's not needed. And I don't think that he he's experienced enough in in being an owner of a football 
franchise in the NFL without not having that. And I don't think he has enough of that. I don't think he has enough of it now because he's not here enough. And and when it comes to football um, people with experience, it's just, there's, there's not enough of it, you know? And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the reasons that he probably hired, Coughlin because mm. of, you know, when you look at that, what he did in Jacksonville, the first coach, all the things that he accomplished here. But in the long term, you know, Coughlin was basically running a franchise with no checks and balances, basically. He could do whatever he wants, not be told anything. Even when he was wrong, there was, there was no checks and balances. And you can't have that in the franchise, man. You got to have somebody to to, to to sit somebody down and say that's not. That, we probably shouldn't have done it that way, you know. And then I did, and I think immediately it put a friction and it it, it put a, a a challenge of of authority. I mean, you got a head coach who has his boss on the field who's out there on the field coaching and making decisions and he doesn't have to get approval from the head coach. And I, you know, to me, I don't think Tom Coughlin ever stopped wanting to coach after he left the Giants, even when he was here, you know, I mean, his whole mentality was coaching. It wasn't about GM and it was, you know, from his control, he just controlled everything like a, like he would if he was still coaching the head coach of the Giants. Mm. And that was the atmosphere in um in Jacksonville. And then it it, it it another problem was even in two seventeen, it's like you can't have two people of power right. <laughs> on a football team where they don't know who to turn to or who's telling them this or who's telling them that because if Carlton said you should do it this way, then they're gonna go to Marone and say, well, he told me to do it this way. And it's just, those are the issues with this franchise. And they're being corrected now. But there's no one in Jacksonville at this, when that season ended, would say to you that Doug Marone or Dave Caldwell deserve to be back for another season. There's no one in Jacksonville would say that, including me. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it seems and, like they need an. And the reason why I say that is because you have to, at that point, you you're coming off a back-to-back losing season after reaching the AFC title game against New England in that 17 season. Nothing has gone right those two years, and then you had an owner after the end of the 218 season says basically he said that if change doesn't happen in that 219 season. Then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna change. We're gonna we're gonna make decisions to, to, to help this franchise. And when that didn't happen, and they brought both those guys back, I mean that was. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, you, you, no one can say that those guys did enough last season to earn them to earn the right to come back here as the coach. It'll be more of the same. That's what most people said. Well, I'm in Atlanta, and uh, that's what's happening here. I, it's very loyal. Blank is a very loyal owner, and uh, kept Mike Smith for a little too long. Um, Jaguars legend mm-hmm. Mike Smith, and then um, 
going back again uh, with Dan Quinn, where starting off to a one and six start last year, things look bad, and it's just the defense has never really improved all that much and defense find a coach with a bad defense like it's just a, a lot of question marks and there's a lot riding on the season but it was just kind of, it was a, definitely a surprise that they brought the gang back together for another year um what is the latest on Fournette in your estimation what do you think happens there i, I think he's here for the season i, I you know I, I think he he's motivated i mean not just for jacksonville i mean he's motivated to to try to win a contract, I don't think he's gonna be here after this season. So, but um, <laughs> well, I tell you, it's been, it's been, well, he's had a some type of career here. <laughs> Do you think someone was actually gonna trade for him? Did you hear any real offers that Caldwell got on Fournette, or do you think it was pretty? It was well, just like, oh, he's out there, but no one really wants to pick up that contract. They tried to trade him on draft night, and um, you know, from what we gathered, that they had conversations with Tampa Bay. Now, I don't know if they had any other hmm. talks with any other teams outside of Tampa Bay, but they did actually have discussions on draft night, on the second night of the draft, for involving Leonard. Interesting. And Tampa Bay just went on and just said, we, they actually went on and just drafted a running back. Yeah. So I don't know what was the to you know as part of what the package or what you know my thinking is that Jacksonville was probably asking a little bit too much in return yeah and um you know and that deal fell through but my opinion is this why why would you trade them at this point you know but for this year if you, I mean maybe you trade them a year ago in 219 but if you if you got them for a year and um you know he's he got every motivation in the book, you know. I mean, if he doesn't produce, then he's not going to get a second contract with any team. I, you know, I mean, this is all – I mean, it's a crapshoot. It's all or nothing for him. So why not have a motivated Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville when you had to go through what you had to go through in 218? He did have an improved season in in last year but you know if you done went through this much then just you know play out the string and, and then by, let bygone be bygone so yeah and i think common sense came and they just said that there's not a lot of i mean with any running back there's not a lot of interest so i mean so Why i think just, they came uh, to their senses let's just play it out and have a great <laughs> season and see what happens um yeah have you talked to jay gruden at all since he's come over uh, do you do you have any? Yeah, answers? we had a, uh-huh. we had um a Zoom um interview with him mm-hmm. uh, about a month ago, so we got a little insight of how he thinks. <laughs> oh, you're laughing! But, I, I gotta know what what, what was said. <laughs> well, the thing is that um, you know, right now he's flustered. You know, well, he's flustered the fact that you know yeah. he's trying to incorporate a new offensive system and yet had a chance to, to demonstrate it out on the field. Yeah. So he was <laughs> doing that. Comment. I just recall what he was saying, like, "Boy, I wish we could be out on the field, but hopefully it'll come soon." And those kind of things. You know, we're getting a lot. You know, there's only so much you can do virtually, and those kind of things. I think he feels this. This. Um, you know, I mean, I think he's under the, even though he, I think he's under the gun. You know, he's mm-hmm. got a lot to, 
You know, I mean, well, let's be realistic. You, his ultimate ultimate goal is not to be an offensive coordinator. His ultimate goal is to be return as a head coach. And yeah. a lot rides on this season. It may be one year here, but a lot rides on what type of success he's going to have here as an offensive coordinator. And then you look at you know implementing a, a new system with a you know you know he I think they did some things to try to bring in like. Tyler Eifert and people like that to, to um, you know, who's played for him before, yep. but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I don't know either. I'm sure he would have liked to have gotten Andy Dalton, would be my guess, that he would have been more comfortable with Dalton. Oh, yeah. Um, than Gardner yeah. Minshew. I don't know. Gardner is still just a huge question mark for me. I, I don't know. Um, two more things and we'll wrap up here. Um, CJ Henderson. Chase on from LSU. They went to SEC guys. They're doing kind of what they did a couple years ago. They're just loading up on top end town on the defense and they're rebuilding that defense and they'll figure out the offense later. Um, who do you think they're more excited about? Henderson as a lockdown corner because um, tackling was a concern coming out of Florida or mm. Chase on. Who are they more more hyped about? Do you think? Well, that's a kind of tough question. I I, I think. Chase on gives them so much versatility, but then again, <laughs> I don't want to sound like the Grim Reaper here, but then you got a defensive coordinator who, you know, he's he's stuck on running the, uh, you know, his defense it's three four, <laughs> you know, so I I, I think that that, uh, that Chase on has a lot of versatility when you look at you know pairing him up. And um, you know, putting them at outside linebacker, but but also putting them on the edge and pairing them with Josh Allen, it gives them a a real young, <laughs> good presence on that defensive front. But um, you know, he's got to come in. But uh, you know, with Henderson, I I I just I, I, I obviously like his. You know, the coverage skills, and he's immediately going to come in and be a starter. But Chason gives them a lot of options, a, little, a lot more than, than Henderson, and I think they're excited about that, particularly pairing him up with Josh Allen on edge, on, on opposite edge. And that also means that they got whatever happens with this Yannick situation, they do have somebody there that can, that can replace him, which is why they drafted him. Well, I you know that was my last question. What happened to Ben <laughs> Like that just fell off the radar. Like how ugly that had gotten a couple months back, and we just all moved on. Like we just forgot how just awful this whole thing was, and him tweeting what he was tweeting. And I don't even remember some of the stuff at the time. And I think Tony Khan went at him too. Like I think there was like a back and yeah. forth there. Like it, it got really yeah, ugly. Back and forth. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. you never see stuff play like play out like that publicly. Um and it's just been quiet for a while. What do you think happens? Do you think he plays a snap for the Jaguars this year? Well, I know him pretty well, and I think he's a man of conviction. And I say a man of conviction. I think once he says something, even when it doesn't make any sense, to me right now, it doesn't make sense for him not to sign that tender because it doesn't make sense because if if he wants a trade – that he'd have a better chance getting traded if he was to sign that tender offer 
because teams will at least know at this at that point that you know we do have him signed to play this season and he won't sit out, you know. But he's stubborn. I mean, I, I don't want to say stubborn, but I think that once he said that he he wanted out of Jacksonville, and basically he told the franchise that he didn't want to be tendered, he didn't want the franchise tag on him, he want out. And I think that that just uh, they locked in a stalemate, you know. And then, and I, you know, for Yannick purposes, I guess he felt that the franchise didn't do him any favors when um, Dave Caldwell publicly said on the draft that they're just not interested out there, which they probably didn't because of what they're asking in return. But this this relationship with it, it's just to the point where it's not, it's not functioning. I mean, you look back last year, he, he held out, you know, the only reason why he came back was so he can get the accrued season to become a free agent. He wants to be a free agent. The problem is the Jaguars don't, whatever they feel his value is, they want to get something matching to what his value is. And at this point, unless they sit back at the table, come to some type of understanding. I just don't think this is going to be solved, and I don't think he's going to sign that the, the franchise tag by July 15th, and I just think this is going to be a drag out. I don't think he's coming to camp. He's not going to sign. And I just think this is, this is this just a situation where he doesn't have leverage. Everybody knows that. The Jaguars have the leverage. They're not bending, and we just got an ugly situation here. Now, whether or not I, now I, it'd be foolish we have not signed it and sit out a year, because they have an option to, to to put the tag on him for the following season too. But I just I, I just think that, in my opinion, cut their losses, get what you can get. Not trying to get the what first or whatever they're looking for, second round, third round, or whatever, two picks or whatever they're trying to get. Just get the best deal you can get for him in the trade. Clean your hands over the situation. You got Chase on at that could play his spot and move on from it because it's not it's not serving the purpose that you know it, 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 it's going to be a distraction that doesn't need to be one. And you done went through a distraction with Jalen Ramsey. Your head coach done said publicly that one of the one of the biggest things that he said that he wanted is no drama. <laughs> Yeah, no drama. So I just think this situation has just got to a point where the Jaguars should just go and make it. There. Yeah, it looks bad that you've lost another draft pick, and you you got to move on from a player who who doesn't want to be a part of your franchise. But you have to learn from your mistakes. Exactly. You have to um, you have to address. And this is his big issue, and this is his big big issue through his words. He feels that he's he, the, the 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 contract that he got as a third round pick. He felt that that should have been tore after the two seventeen. He's like they should have. It's the Jamal Adams tore up that question. contract. Yeah, and to, should have tore it up. He, he's down up proving himself. And they should have went after the negotiating period after that two, two, going into two eighteen, and um, and he's not gonna not think or change his attitude or feel differently or no matter what the Jaguars say, 
that he's felt that he's given everything to the Jaguars and hadn't been compensated the way that he feels he should have been compensated. And when they waited, and whatever the offer was last year when he held out, Tom Coughlin basically gave him one offer. They couldn't come to agreement on that one offer. And there was no more offers on the table after that after that one offer, which that kind of pulled things out of direction too. But I would give the I would say this about him. When he came back off the off the holdout last year, he didn't say much about anything about the, the, the about contract situation, the holdout or anything. He went back to work. He, he I mean he worked hard. He didn't he didn't make it a distraction. He didn't do anything. You know, other than, than than perform on the field, and um, I mean, he's a great player. He's a he's a he's a kid that just haven't had a, a lot of. I mean, I think he's still, even at this point, I still think he's someone who's still upset that he didn't get drafted in the first round, and he got drafted in the third round. And he's used it to his advantage because he's used that as his motivation. And I think if he go anywhere else, even if he was to come back here, he's always going to have a chip on his shoulder as a guy that he felt that, that feels that he was slighted. And that's what he uses as a motivation. But when you, you know, you sign the contract and you, <laughs> and you, um, you know, the things that there's some things that people say that he's not good on the run. When the run comes toward him, it's hard for him to get off the block to make the tackle. I don't really buy that. I think I think his 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 talent as an edge rusher is exceptional, and he's not a big guy. But um, you know, this this being 22 million or 23 million a year, I mean, that's that's asking a lot. When you get there's another player right now that hadn't been signed either. And he's got a, a, a similar reputation. I think at some point, when you in this situation like this this season, this off season, and the way things have shook, when you know what the market value is based on what is paid in free agency, and you know those numbers are not being hit, then I think that's when it's time for you to talk to your agent to say it's time to like slide down our demand. You know, we. We're not going to get twenty three million. <laughs> yeah, that nobody else got it, so we're not getting it. And you can't always in free agency base your numbers on what happened the previous season because it's just a different. Every year is different, man. It's it's a different situation, and I think those are the things that he's struggling with. If we were to have him on this podcast right now, mm-hmm. he would sit there and say specifically, "I am worth twenty three million a year. I'm the best edge rusher in the league. I should be compensated." And he's going to say that no matter what. He's going to say it in August. He's going to say it in September. He's going to say it in December. And he's going to say it in 221. So that's what you have with him. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Bet on yourself, Yannick. I I like it. Yeah. And he'll be all right. He's still a good player. He'll figure it out. He'll go somewhere else. He'll go on the Patriots or something and just have this career year and win a Super Bowl or something. I don't know. He'll he'll find a way out um, somewhere. Um, John, is I definitely make that prediction. You you are or you are not. No, I make that prediction that anywhere he goes, he's he's a stud, man. Right. I mean, I you know I know he doesn't have though. You know, he's not six five and all that stuff. But man, I've seen him do some. 
I mean, he's he's a stud, and I think where regardless of where he goes, he's a stud. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna get multiple sacks for a long, long time to go here, and that's that's you know that's what we talked about, and it's, it's what me and you talked about. It's just certain things in this franchise. It just doesn't work out. It doesn't work out like it would be if it was a franchise somewhere else. You know, it just these guys get put in positions and just the contracts or whatever it might be. It just seems like it just odd. It was odd to me that they traded Calais Campbell because I think the guy gave everything. But you know, it, the times is due, when, you know everybody don't stay at the same team forever. But I, I'm I'm still shocked at that. <laughs> It's almost like they did him a solid because they put him to Baltimore, um, a, a contender in the AFC, like a another contender in the AFC. Like it's just, it was a nice thing. It was just like a nice, generous thing for them to do for Calais. It's like uh, I know you've suffered a lot here in Jacksonville the last couple of years. Um, go maybe win a title in Baltimore this year. Yeah, well, they told him that he, you know, he could stay if he was to take a pay cut. He told me he's not taking a pay cut either. Yeah, it was going to renegotiate his deal. He refused that. And uh, then that's when they decided, well, we, we'll, we'll send you to a place that you would like, whatever place you would like to go. That's what we would try to do to work trade out. But, you know, those are the things. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, John. Well, this has been a blast. I appreciate you making the time today. Is there anything we should check out from you this week on Jacksonville.com? Well, I am working on six things to look for that I'm working on right now on um, with a month to go before um, training camp. It's kind of a more of opinionated thing, but, uh, you know, um, one of the top of the list is what they do with Yanni. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. think they got to trade him. So well, that's what, that's what I'm working on, and then I'm going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. Well, enjoy your vacation. Keep up the great work, John, and uh, we will maybe circle back again this fall when hopefully football is playing. Hey. Well, no problem. Hopefully, let's keep our fingers crossed on football playing. We, we would like for what had to happen, especially me, but appreciate you. All right. Thanks, John. This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. Goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.